Welcome to Made in Africa. Hello everyone, hope you're all good. It's time for another episode of the Made in Africa podcast and this week Rahman and I will be joined by my Guardian colleague Nick Ames to discuss Arsenal's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The Gabon striker was left out of Arsenal's win over Southampton on Saturday after what Mikel Arteta described as a disciplinary issue with reports that the 32-year-old returned late from a trip abroad. With only four Premier League goals so far this season, what does the future hold for the player who shared the golden boot with Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane in 2020? But before that, it's time to welcome Rahman Osman from London World to the show. How's it going, mate? Yeah, all good. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. Really good. We were at Sellers Park on Sunday to see Crystal Palace uh, return to winning ways against Everton, thanks to an amazing performance from Conor Gallagher. Um, sadly for Jordan Ayew, he couldn't quite end his 43-game goal drought, but he definitely played his part in, in setting up Gallagher for the first goal, didn't he? Um, do you think he is worth his place in the Palace team? You can see why he keeps getting picked. Yeah, I mean, certainly against Everton was perhaps his best performance of the season. And you can tell why Vera loves him, picks him ahead of Olise. And I'd, I'd say he's the kind of a player who is a dream for every manager, but a nightmare for fans because... For fans, they want to see player who scores the goals, who creates the goals. But for a manager, he wants a player who would run, who will create, who will work hard for the team. And I think that it's been it's been Jordan's trade in the last few years that he's an incredible hard worker. He's one of the players in the team that that holds everything together. I mean, yesterday it was easy to say that he was the best player before Conor Gallagher's second goal. I mean, if 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 you look at his his numbers, and I'll just read the numbers a bit out for you, mm. he made four key passes. That's more than any other player on the pitch. He was the most fouled on the pitch, and he was joined most chances created and made the most, uh, he made the third most touches, that's 73 mm. times. And Beyond that, it was his overall performance that was really jaw-dropping because it was from start to finish. He just never stopped. He was mm. he was going and going and going. Yeah, and going. It's, it's interesting what you say about uh, you know being a manager's dream and a fan's nightmare because I think a lot of Palace fans, uh, you know, they look at that goal drought and they they judge him on that, which is a bit unfair. But I can see yeah. why that they do because obviously he's a he's a he's a forward. Maybe not, you know, playing in a central striker role very often. Yeah, it's all these days, but you know, he, yeah, I, I agree. His contribution get, is quite. I, get, I, get, I just I just need to add that you know normally in modern day football there are a lot of forward players, mostly with three spread forwards, who have different roles, mm. and then a classical example when France won the World Cup. How many goals did Olivier Giroud score? But obviously, yeah, absolutely, yeah, you can't absolutely, discount yeah. his impact in the French team. I'd love Jordan to score goals. If Jordan can get goals to his game, he would be pumping above almost everyone at Palace because he works really hard. He and he's really so strong. Does. He's so strong. He's that's so one. Strong. I think that's one of his biggest assets. You know, he, he like you say, he's been found one of the most in the Premier League. I think that is. 
and um, you, you know it's because he's such a strong presence on the ball. Um, anyway, and el elsewhere in the Premier League, it, it's as you were at the top after Chelsea just managed to sneak past Leeds uh, thanks to a late penalty to keep pace with Manchester City and Liverpool. Mohamed Salah kept scoring his 21st goal of the season after winning the penalty. Um, and Patson Dacca was also uh, on the score sheet for Leicester as they, as they thrashed Newcastle 4-0. Do you think uh, we might see him starting a few more games now, Rama? He's had that two in a week, I think it is, two out of the last three. Daka, it's an amazing player. His, his confidence, his runs, his energy, his height, his hold of play. It's, it's, it's really, I think Leicester have got a real gem in there. I mean, Vardy will always continue to lead the line. But if you have a young player like Daka, who's always said that he wants to learn from players and veterans like, like Vardy, it's, it's an absolute dream to have. And again, let me just run you through his numbers. Now, he's... He's contributed nine goal contributions. I think he's got seven and created two for Leicester in his first 16 games in all competition. Now he's averaging 1.08 goal per every 90 minutes. And for somebody right. who is not really like the main man at the minute, and you've got guys like Fadi and Kelly J here and Joe, he's coming into easily the best league in the world. And is finding his feet and scoring is and let's let's also highlight the, the fact that this Leicester team is huffing and puffing at the minute they're not really mm. playing really well and he's still able to contribute and come in at a very difficult time to add to the numbers and create it it's 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 a good return mm. obviously if you score a goal as a striker the confidence gives you and you make a chance or you make a claim to want to play in the next game so yeah, to answer your questions, I think as long as he continues to score or assist or directly or indirectly contribute to goals, he does his chances of playing the next games a big, big favour. Mm, absolutely. And and while we've been seeing a bit more of him, we've been seeing a lot less of, of Ian Atcher, who you mentioned, who I, I think is, is believed to be one of the players who who has COVID at the moment at Leicester. Although that's not, I don't think that's been confirmed, but that, that's the rumour out there. But it's a real shame for him because you know he he showed amazing ability last season. You know he, uh, I mean he's the record African goal scorer in the FA Cup for a start. Um, had an amazing run at the especially the second half of last season, and then has just found himself out of the team again, having you know built up quite a good partnership with with Jamie Vardy. Yeah, and that's the thing with Kelechi. I've, I've I've watched his his development from Manchester City and when he first moved to Leicester and last season, especially the tail end of last season where he could never stop scoring. And even at the beginning of the season in the um, community shield, I just think that for some reason, something is not coming off. Obviously, he's got COVID and the Omicron virus continues to ravage and affect teams. But there's something not working out there. I don't know what it is, whether confidence or is it because the team is struggling. But Kelechi does really well playing off the shoulders of a main striker. And he would love to play with Fadi with or with with any other striker just so he can use the little spaces he gets in score. But I still think he's going to contribute his 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 part to this season. He's going to be a very important player because he's a really good finisher. Instinctively, he's about the best finisher you'll get, not having to think about it and scoring. I love Kelechi. Yeah, it's a real shame. I mean it, yeah he, like you say he, he showed 
what he was all about last season. And I just think he's he's the one that's missed out really with Patson's arrival. But perhaps one day we might see him and Patson together with when Jamie Vardy's uh, hung up his boots. But probably a while yet till that happens. And then uh, mentioning uh, Ian Atchery, obviously the big news from international football this week is that Nigeria have sacked Gernot Ruhr uh, on the eve of, of Afcon, which was a you know a bit of a surprise for those who haven't been following this closely. Uh, Augustine uh, Egwabon has been drafted in as interim replacement, um, just obviously just a few weeks before Afcon begins. Um, is it surprising to you, Robin? Did you did you know much about that? No, I knew there were a bit of issue with Raw. Raw had issues with the way he was paid. It could go six months and he hadn't been paid. There were some questionable call-ups also to the national team at a time where um, a lot of Nigerians felt, Nigerians felt that um, certain players didn't deserve to be called up. And this running team across most African countries, like Nigeria is like Ghana's biggest brothers. We, our problems run through the same thing. And um he's i think he's overstayed his welcome if i should put it that way because mm. i never saw that he could be there for five years and he ended up being there for five years credit to him he's qualified the team to the final stage of the african world cup qualifiers which was massive for the uh, football country like nigeria and he's also qualified them to next year's african cup of nations which is just four weeks ago now the question is do you sack a manager who's been at the Rams for five years, four weeks to a major tournament? Mm. It's hard to say a yes or a no, but this is what he's done in that period. 58 matches, 31 win, uh, wins, 14 losses and 13 draws. Not a bad return, mm. but the football was a bit turgid. Yeah, and he was the most, he's the most, uh, he'd taken charge of more games than any person. Exactly. Uh, any manager so, in Nigerian football history. So yes, he yes, just needed need a bit of a freshening up, maybe because you know there's an amazing talent of players actually coming through in Nigeria. You know, having had a few relatively quiet years, always there's always lots of players, but in terms of the national team, I think that there's a really there's a, there's something building there. You know, there should be anyway because the talent is definitely there. Agree with you when you say that there's a need for refreshing and all because Nigeria is it's easily one of the biggest African countries when it comes to football and when 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 the entertainment part of the game is no more there, there's, there's always pressure on the manager. But we'll see if Eguavo is coming back into the team for the, his third attempt. And he's he's been a caretaker before. He's been major head coach and he's now been given the chance to do caretaker and maybe possibly take them to Cameroon for the African Cup of Nations. And yeah, he like you, you said also, if... If he gets to work with some of the, the really good stars and upcoming players to get the best out of Nigeria, of course, he's, he stands a very good chance of getting the job on a permanent basis. OK, it's time to welcome our guest, and we're delighted to be joined by a journalist who's not only the Arsenal reporter for The Guardian, but someone who knows his African football. Nick Ames also played a very important role in helping me to produce my book, Made in Africa. So it's really great to have you here, mate. Welcome. Hello, Ed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, as I was saying, uh, we visited uh, Mohamed Salah's hometown, Nagrik, together uh, during the AFCON in 2019 uh, as preparations for the book. And you were also there for quite a few of the interviews I did. So, it's yeah, as I said, it's really nice to have you here and uh, looking forward to your input. 
I don't think I've ever recovered from the nutmegging from a five-year-old that I famously received on the streets of, of Nigrig, or, or, or from your excellent driving exploits on, on the way back. So uh, we're still here two and a half years later. <laughs> yeah, it got a bit hairy, but I, and, I, and I wish I had a video of that, of that nutmeg. It was uh, quite funny. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Nick, we, we've asked you on because we wanted to talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and... Obviously, it's been quite a difficult season for him so far, and he's in a bit of hot water with the club as well. Can you explain exactly what's going on over the weekend? You know, he, he came back late from a trip, I believe. Yeah, so he he came back late from a trip. I think he was, um, I, I think he was supposed to come back on Wednesday evening and, and returned on Thursday morning instead. Um, it was a, it was a sanctioned club um, club trip um, to see a member of his family, I, I, I think his mother. Um, he returned late and um, I think there were various, um, I must admit I don't know the exact details that haven't come out yet, but there were some issues over the COVID protocol implications of his late return and, and the fact that he returned late anyway. Um, Mikel Arteta subsequently um, dropped him from the matchday squad on Saturday and I mean there's various things to go at here one is that it it compounds what it what is a difficult season for him already as you have alluded to where there's been especially in recent weeks a lot of murmurings and question marks about his long-term status in, in the team and on the back of him being dropped from the starting lineup for the game at Everton on Monday and also there's the fact that sadly this isn't the first time. Um, Punctuality has been a bit of an issue for him, I think it's fair to say, since, since the time that Arteta took over. There have been a few smaller things. Um, then, then it all appeared to come to a head at the North London derby um, in the spring when he arrived late for the team meeting and was dropped to, to the bench that day, not from a match day squad, he was put on the bench. And then there have been a few other bits and pieces too. There was a... a a situation with lockdown protocols and getting a, a tattoo around the same time as that. Um, he's had quite a lot of ups and downs and obviously he is the club captain. Um, so I think the immediate question that many people are asking, fans and media, can he, can he possibly remain as a club captain um, with this totting up of offences? Because Arteta, Mikel Arteta, as, as I think is well publicised, has done a lot of work in the last couple of years to, to kind of curb the off-pitch problems that have been at Arsenal. And there have been very many. There was a, a core of, I think we can say, bad apples that he has managed to get out of the squad in the last couple of years and move on. Um, now, Damiang is absolutely not one of those. And he, he was given a, you know, a three-year contract in, in 2020, in, in September 2020. Um, as um, as a reward for his work and and his obvious importance and value to the team, but the fact is, while none of these breaches of what Arteta calls his non-negotiables on their own are huge, if you keep doing it and you're a senior player, you're 32 years old, something's not sinking in. And this, don't forget, is the youngest squad in the Premier League, yeah, and exactly. all of Arsenal's. Yeah, I think that, that, that makes that point so much more important, doesn't it? Because he, he is expected to be the leader of this young group. <clears throat> and, you know, he, he is the, the elder statesman, I've heard him described as uh, today, of that squad. And, and you're right, he, he should be taking a, a more of a, a role in 
you know, they're setting an example for a start, I suppose. That's completely it. And if you look around the Arsenal squad, you think, who who are the senior players? And we know that Granit Xhaka obviously has had, had, had his stint as captain and that didn't go very well. Um, and he's he's been through um, a, a couple of rehabilitations since, to be fair, but you know he's 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 always got a few things ho- um, hovering over him. Lacazette, who has worn the armband in in Aubameyang's stead, and and, and is a, is a senior player who is well liked around the place, may well be leaving in the summer. Um, you've, you've you've not really, I mean, um, Thomas Party, who I think we might talk about in a bit, is is a senior international there and a good influence in the dressing room, but still still hasn't been in the club that long. You're sort of, if you're a young player at Arsenal, you're looking around for those senior figures to exert some influence and set some examples. And, and I think, unfortunately, and I I don't have a handle on what way this is going to go yet. I think unfortunately. Aubameyang hasn't done that and I think there is something different in the air this time because Arteta was interviewed before the game against Southampton that he was dropped from on Saturday and he he clearly was not happy at all and he said it's not an easy situation that we want to have our, our club captain in and he pointed out you know that's explicit that he's saying our club captain should not be in, in this position now that says to me and this is hypothesis at the moment that Aubameyang's status with the armband has got to be in doubt. It's, it, I've, I've, I've also just, I've been following that situation and development and I've done a little bit of digging only because I, I have a few people who are very, very into Uba and what's happening to his club football at the moment. And I think we should discuss this in this, impo- this detail is also very important that he's been struggling with his mother since the beginning of this year, his mom hasn't been well, and he's he's always been a family person. You'd if if you've been to Arsenal games, you'd know that his dad was always there to see him. His dad is always there to watch him. His mom, when she was really healthy, was there to see him. At the at the beginning of the year, I think even Arsenal gave him permission to travel home to see yeah. his mom when the mom was very unwell. I think she's beginning to get better. But it's important we say that he was in France for family reasons, not to have a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Now he's had a tattoo and it's been it's been it's been floated around social media. As if to say he was in France to have a new tattoo. No, he was in France to be with his mom who is recovering from an illness. That's not holding brief for Aubameyang, but just stating the facts as to why it could have been a very difficult year for him. His, if you followed Aubameyang from Milan to Dortmund to Arsenal, he's a lovely ca- character, a bubbly guy who wants, loves his football, wants to enjoy his football, enjoys like larger than life character. Off the pitch has been incredibly difficult. Another thing that has affected him, and I should say this, and Nick hits the nail right on the head by saying there's been a lot of issues, small, small issues that have come head on on this. I think in April, he went down to Gabon and picked up malaria. Again, by the time he had ret- he would return to England, he had to miss certain games. There were rumors, you know, until he came out to explain that it was malaria and he lost 4 kg in a short period. And in that period, Arsenal was struggling. And if you're the captain and you're not around and 
you're either isolating or having to be here, rumors will spark. This is the Premier League. One thing leads to the other, then fire sparks. So the latest, it's not even that, I'm sure it's not just this issue that is getting everybody upset. It's a chain of issues that has brought it to this way. I, 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 I don't know how players behave of the same. And I agree that Uber is, and I know, and I know from my intel and information that he's always arriving to training late, he alongside certain other people, but he's not a disruptive character. Maybe not a captain character, but it's mm -hmm. fair that in this discussion, we, we as journalists, we come out with some of the issues because family is a big deal and in times like these we're traveling it's kind of really a nightmare with covid issues with yeah no that's really, really interesting I, that's, I didn't know that about his mother for example and and but what you said about the captaincy yeah that that's that's kind of my view on it i think that maybe he's kind of got it by default in a way just because he's the oldest player in the squad and what Aubameyang is good at and has always been good at is you know being quite single-minded and scoring goals and well working for the team as well but you know primarily scoring goals and perhaps he's not the right person to be the captain and 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 I was also going to say it's, it's been a bit of a poison chalice at Arsenal for many many years hasn't it you can go all the way back to maybe Gilberto who was the last yes. sort of successful captain you know all the, all the captains after that ended up getting sold or you know, having a you know, Alteta himself was was captain, not very successful uh, at Arsenal. You know, he might argue otherwise, but I don't think the fans would would say he was. But so yeah, it's it's really interesting conundrum for for Arteta to try and get the best out of him because I think you know he, he's thirty two, but there is still something to give uh, as as a striker. First of all, Roman's spot on with with the fact that yeah. There have been things which have affected Aubameyang negatively that he's had no control over over, um, over the year. Like, um, he got ill, had, um, had to miss games. His mother got ill and he, um, he had to miss, I think it was I think it was a game at Southampton and, and maybe a game after that. And I think, um, I think these things have to be taken into account because this is, you know, as you say, people have lives as well as being a sportsman who you see in the public eye. And I think... I mean, that's that's partly why, though, I, I think it is interesting that Arteta has taken action like this and spoken like this, because I don't think Arteta's, you know, I, I think Arteta understands the importance of family, the importance of cutting people slack when they need it, and, and Aubameyang has, has needed it. But, uh, but something, I think enough, enough things have clearly happened, despite the different problems Ober's had, to make Arteta think, okay, I've I've had enough now, and I, you know, I don't think we're, I don't think the full extent of it is ever going to come out. But he he clearly thinks that Aubameyang has crossed the line too many times. And I think in terms of him being a captain, I think yeah, there's um, he's he's not a bad apple or anything like that. He's very well liked in in the squad. He's he's got good friends. He's 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 a very lively alive figure around the dressing room especially when things are going well a lot of stuff bounces off him and a lot of people bounce off him i don't necessarily think that he's your sort of chest beating captain who's going to be spurring the troops on all the time and i don't always know if he leads through body language when you need him to when when things are going badly um i think a lot of the time he's more led through performance if that makes sense and led through influence and led led through the fact that as i think you both said he's Scored, scored so many vital goals for them and been, so, been such a brilliant striker. 
Um, but I think, yeah, if you're looking at someone who who needs a bit more seriously, perhaps, he's probably not that captaincy character. It's interesting, though. Do you think there could be a future for him still at Arsenal? Because, you know, what are they going to do about his contract? He has another year left after this, and he's on, you know, if you believe reports, about 300 grand a week. Um, so it's going to be difficult to find someone to, to take him off their hands and, you know, pay a fee. They may have to, you know, wait till the end of his contract or something like that, or alternatively, try and find a way to get him back in the team and scoring goals. Yeah, it's it's going to become a difficult and expensive problem. And I don't think it's a similar problem to the one they had with Ozil, because as we've said a couple of times now, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fault Aubameyang's character and, and he is well-liked around the place and, and there's nothing divisive about him or anything like that. But, but the fact is that the way he plays probably doesn't quite fit now into the way that Arteta wants to set the team up. Um, I think the way Arteta plays now, it does require a bit of a spearhead up front who can get on the ball, who can hold it up, whose stuff isn't just bouncing off, who isn't just looking for stuff in behind, who's getting involved a bit more in general play. And Aubameyang can sometimes do that, but you can't do it consistently. You can't hang your hat on that. I also think he's probably, and this goes with the territory of being being 32, I mean, I, I wish I was still 32. Um, you, you, and he's, he's, I think he's lost a, a little yard of, of the pace that he had, which means you have to adapt a few parts of your game. I don't think his finishing has, has gone off. I, I know he's had a few misses recently, but that's what happens. But I think the issue is more that in general play, I don't think we see quite enough of him. So I'm sure, in fact, I'm, I've, I know that there is a succession plan being worked on. I mean, we don't know what that plan is yet. It, it will depend on what finances are available to Arsenal and, and, and the very few top-level strikers that are available and affordable out there. I think they have to be thinking about that and are thinking about that. Um, and it's very hard. It's it's hard for me to see that this time next season he is Arsenal's number one striker. Put it that way. Now, whether that means he is still part of the squad or whether he's going to see out the last few years of his career somewhere else, which would be expensive for someone else, I I don't know. I think it's a very difficult and quite delicate situation. I don't think anyone wants it to end badly because I don't think I don't think that would reflect fairly on anyone. Yeah, and I've just got to add on that because it's kind of really a conundrum for me. I mean, on on the strikers Arsenal have at the moment, and a lot of people speak about Oba not scoring and, and the challenges the team is going through with the captain not performing very well and all. And I've just got to add, just run it back a bit to every striker they've got. I don't think this, there's an Arsenal striker firing on all cylinders since Arteta came. Uba had patches where he was really good, scored important goals. Then it just goes flat. Lacazette, the same thing. Eddie Nketiah, the same thing. Surely, if 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 there's a striker or there are strikers, they'll be thinking that, why are we all not getting it right? And that's that's why, Nick, you, you made a really good point about the way Arteta sets up the team because I there's a part of that that strikes me as being the reason why the goals haven't flown as much. And it's a really complex system. Now Arsenal have given him a really good deal. And so there's more expectation on, on him. He's declined physically due to age. We all do as we grow up. And so 
there's more scrutiny on him because of the contract for his, his captain. And then he's got his own personal family issues that are draining him down. So it's such a, it, for me, I'm interested to see how this will end because a lot of players recently have left Arsenal and not been happy when Ozzy left, of course, Ozzy's situation was a peculiar one, but Gondozi also left and wasn't really happy. How will Arsenal handle the situation of Aubameyang? And if he's to leave at some point, will he leave being happy and being proud to have spent some of his best years at the Emirates? It's interesting to see. I think uh, it's worth reading out his stats here. 68 goals in 128 matches since joining from Borussia Dortmund in January 2017 and that's obviously a great return and uh, he shared the golden boot as we mentioned earlier with, with Mane and Salah in an amazing season for African footballers in the Premier League but Nick if you look back on his you know if this, if this is the beginning of the end for Aubameyang do you think he can be looked back as a you know a really successful signing what, what mark would you give him out of 10 maybe that's the best way of putting it oh I think he got an 8 I'd yeah. like um, he's, he's like don't get me wrong, Pierre-Emerick has been a fantastic striker. Right? He's been one of, one of the best, you know, pure, pure, pure goal scorers that we've seen in, in the Premier League in, in years. So, you know, and the fact he's, he's, he's maybe not fired Arsenal yet to where they want to be, it's not all on him because I think, as we've said, the issues that Arsenal pretty much since he joined and before have been very well documented. And he, and he, he many, many times, maybe up until the last six months, six months to a year, has has um, has been the constant bailing out bad performances with great goals or great match-winning performances. So, so I think I I don't think anyone can say that he's been anything remotely like a failure for Arsenal. He's, he's been fantastic for no, them. No, absolutely. I think but, overall, I think I would absolutely agree. And just, I just, I just wonder where he, where he stands, because obviously Arsenal have had an amazing history of African players. Um, you know, obviously Arsene Wenger was oh. instrumental in bringing a lot of African players to the Premier League. But he's right up there with, with, with some of those legendary names, you know, like Carnivy, for example. Um, he is. I, I think... Um, I mean, what was his quote when um, when he signed the new contract? I I think he said uh, something along the lines of, and and um, Raman might know better, but he he he, he says something like, I've, "I've signed this to become an Arsenal legend." You know, now I for everything that I've just said, I don't think he's going to be looked back on as quite in the legend pantheon simply because it's it's not been a legendary team, and he's and and, and he's not elevated that team to such an extent. That it's done remarkable stuff. So I would put him probably, if you if, um, if you were looking back over a piece, I wouldn't put him in terms of what he's achieved with the club quite in that bracket. But I think definitely what he has done in what's often been a middling team has been quite something. Like the FA Cup final and semi-final performances, for example, um, when was it last season or um, or the season before last even, um, were were something quite special, winning winning games almost single handedly against top top sides like Chelsea and Man City. Um, so no, I th- I think he'll be ranked very very highly, but I think just because it's been such an iffy period for Arsenal, you you can't quite put him up with um with the very best African players who played for Arsenal. Um, maybe you guys totally disagree. No, I think that's right. I mean, and he's just that he he played in the wrong era for Arsenal. That's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly. It. Yeah, 
think that he's an amazing goal scorer. Would 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 definitely score goals till he hangs up his boots. The 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 only thing that will take away a bit of shine from him is it's some of the of the field issues and just the way his persona is. To be fair, he's he's an entertaining guy. He's a big character and he moves a lot. What is a big entourage. So he's kind of seen as more an entertainment and flashy guy, which normally fans don't really associate to legends. They they prefer the all serious, I die for this club, hitting the chest and showing the crest. Uba won't do that. But on the pitch, if you feed Uba Miyang, he will score goals. And in the end, every striker feeds on only one thing is goals and he scored goals Dave he's won trophies at Arsenal of at least he's won the FA Cup at a time where everybody will admit that the club is going through a very difficult period and as we speak at today if Arsenal make it to top four it will be seen as a massive success so normally it's hard to 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 create legends from a period of transition or a period like the one Arsenal are through, because it's easy to pick legends from the invisible team, because almost everyone is glittering and shining, and the record speaks for itself. But when the team is even struggling to get back to playing in the Champions League, it sometimes deems the the lights of some of the people who are making. Believe me, if there was, and this is how Beck has been for Arsenal. If Arsenal had a player who contributed half the goals. Uber has contributed in the period he was, they would be back in Champions League. That's how magnificent he's been. Absolutely. Well, talk, that brings us on neatly, actually, to uh, Nicola Pepe, I think, because, you know, £72 million, he remains the most expensive African player of all time. Um, he's only made five starts for Arsenal this season and yet to score a goal. And I think Arteta hinted a few weeks ago now that um, there's quite a lot of work for him to do to get back in the team. And, and Nick, do you see any hope for him at all? I don't think it's going to happen for Nicolas Pepe, if I'm quite honest. And I, and I, and I think the, the issue for all parties will be how, how can you cut a decent deal that gets him playing regular football at a good club? Because make no mistake, that boy has got talent. He's got natural talent. I've, I think when he comes in on that left foot and lets fly, I don't think there are many better left feet in that entire league. You know that the shot's going to have some meaning on it and, and he's, and he's going to create something. So I, I don't think his talent has ever been in doubt. What it's always been with Nicolas Pepe, and I think Arsenal hope that they'd be able to, to improve this over time, and it hasn't quite happened yet. It's the application in other areas of the game and knowing that he will plug in to what Arteta wants off the ball and also on the ball in maybe less threatening areas. And I mean, I was um, I was interviewing, well, not interviewing, I was speaking to Arteta in a press conference a couple of weeks ago, actually actually about another player with African roots, Nuno Tavares, the, um, the young left-back. And I was just putting it to him that Tavares is quite unpredictable, a bit of an agent of chaos on, on the ball, and that makes him quite fun. And Arteta said, yes, but we want him to be maybe unpredictable to the opposition, but predictable for us. And I thought you can probably transpose that onto Nicolas Pepe, but then Pepe is quite a few years older than Tavares and hasn't necessarily 
smoothed off those rough edges where I think his teammates and his manager know, know what he's going to do. And it's, it's a shame because he actually finished the end of the last season quite strongly. I, I know there wasn't hanging a, a lot hanging on it for Arsenal, but he got four or five goals. And you kind of thought, is it going to be one of those where he comes back back after the summer and he's recharged and, and, and becomes an absolute an absolutely fantastic weapon, you know? And it just hasn't happened. I mean, he, he got a few yeah. minutes at the end, I think, the other day against Southampton, and they were his first minutes since, since I think, the draw with Palace, actually, about a month to six weeks ago. And you just think, I, I, I think they, they want more from a player they did pay over the odds for, but has got a lot of talent. And I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about, you know, his, his rawness, because I think that's happens quite a lot of times with these players who perhaps don't come through the academy system sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad because you know that rawness can take you a long way like somebody like Jamie Vardy but sometimes you know you have to learn on the job at a big club like like uh, Pepe's had to do you know he he's had a meteoric rise basically from playing yeah. quite you know in the, a lower level in France and then went to Lille and then exploded and I think it's just he hasn't been able to catch up quickly enough I think that's been the main issue with him but yeah I agree he's really he has got a lot of talent and it you know it hopefully he can get a, a decent move if it's not going to work out for him at Arsenal I think also that yeah on that player players can shine under a certain manager and a certain way of managing and I think it, it is just that Mikel Arteta is you know in a, in, I'm putting it in in a nice way he's quite a control freak and he um, he, he he wants to be sure or as sure as possible of what his players are going to do on the ball. Not every manager is like that. A lot of managers, you know, there are quite a few managers who who say, get it as far as the final third and then improvise it, freestyle it, you know. Um, and, and I think Arteta just likes that bit more control, that bit more more kind of a security in what his players are going to do. And, and that, bit, yeah, that bit... He's a bit more of a wild card, isn't he? I think Nicola Pepe is yeah. probably for a more of a, I don't know... Don't know what sort of club would be good for him, but I, 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 I think he would be quite good for a decent Serie A club, actually. Mm. Um, even, even, even though obviously that's quite a tactical league, I, I think his level could be, I don't know, a Roma, a Fiorentina, something like that. Could, could well take a kind of punt. Could be a loan move for him, something like that. But, um. I think sadly we're not going to see the best of him at Arsenal, but that's not to, not to say that he won't produce it under a manager who maybe suits him more. Absolutely, and and uh, we have to talk about Thomas Partey as well. Um, who I was watching the, that amazing goal that Arsenal scored against Southampton, and, and he had he played a very nice pass to sort of get the the, the ball up the pitch uh, before it, before it found its way to Saka. But overall. Nick and Roman obviously will get you to speak about him too. But what do you think? Is he has he been a good signing so far? I mean, he gave himself the other week a four out of ten, didn't he? For that's right. Yeah. When asked about his performances, and and that that was harsh. I'd have probably given him a um, a six. But 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 he is a player who you expect a lot from because he's played and played an important role in that fantastic Simeone team. He's been key for his country in a slightly different role. And really, he's a midfielder who can do it all. And I, th I think there's always that thing um, about judging players when, when they arrive in the Premier League too quickly. And I think, you know, 
Alison Wenger used to always say you should give somebody at least a year to settle in. And I think in the time, in the last decade, I think our patients have sort of got thinner and thinner on that front. But I think Party had that settling in process, but he also, you know, had a lot of injuries, sort of niggly and slightly bigger, especially in, in, in that first six to nine months. And even in pre-season against Chelsea when he was flying. So he's had to sort of, he's never quite had that run of two, three, four months being totally fit, playing the team every week, getting in that rhythm. But we've seen what he can do. And I think the role that he played in that goal, you're spot on. It's, it's what he's so good at. He, he can make those lovely, quick, first-time, laser-like passes almost that can break a press. And I think that's what really attracted, or one of the things that really attracted Arsenal to him for such a long time when they were scouting him was that. I mean, I, I can think back to a game against Newcastle. I think it was in January or February. And he set up, it was one goal, maybe two, with wonderful raking first-time passes to, I think, um, I think Aubameyang um, actually coming in on um, off the left like he used to. And I think when Thomas Partey's at his best, he can dominate in midfield. And I, I don't think we've seen that often enough yet. We've seen it in bits and pieces. But I think we've seen enough and are seeing enough now to know that if he can get a big run in that team, um, which he's obviously not going to get now because of Afghan, he'll be away for a few weeks. Um, then I think we'll see the real Thomas party. I've, I've got every faith that he'll be a good signing. What I can say about Thomas is, yeah, I think he's been underwhelming um, only because I was really excited to see Thomas finally come to the Premier League. And half of the problems has got to be with injuries. What injuries has done is that it's taken the consistency he needs. In in Spain, he was developing a reputation as a very good central midfielder with the ability to play in a team that was sitting and always tight on defense, a defensively set up. One of the things I was looking up to see what he could do to his game in playing in a possession-based team, learning how to use space, learning how to use the ball well and I felt he was an absolute upgrade on Granite Shaka but what the last 12 months has taught me is that sometimes it's easier to be a big fish in a small pond but when you come to the Premier League and the demands of space when you're chasing game what you do in that space and your decision making in a very short period of time when you have to make a quick decision I feel that those are the things that define really top players from average players. And this is where Thomas is at his career, where he's got to really learn a lot of things. As for me, just the use of space, because his physique is good, his passing and his football intelligence is really up there. And he's shown that in flashes, even if not consistently. But I feel that when Arsenal signed him, the idea was that he was going to be the this, this saviour, the Jesus Christ of the midfield problems Arsenal have had. And that hasn't quite happened. There's more to Thomas than what he's done. I, I can feel it. I can feel that Thomas can still be a very good footballer yeah. and be a success at Arsenal. But a good manager needs to unlock that potential. We'll see how it goes. But so far for me, it's been underwhelming. Mm, interesting. Listen, we're going to have to go. But thank you, Nick, for your time. It's been great having you on here. Um, really great to hear from you. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Absolute pleasure. Speak to you soon. All right. Take care.
A massive thanks to Nick for coming on. It's going to be an intriguing few days for Arsenal fans to see what happens with their captain. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.